0: I began a few weeks ago talking to us on this subject of navigating life, and what I found is that in my life, and I don't know about you, but that there are those moments that I need some help in some area of my life. And so we've been talking about how that the Word of God is kind of like the map of our life. It, it's, it's that map, but how many of you know that sometimes a map doesn't tell you where you are? Ever found that to be true? You go like, where am I? Well, what's great about it is, is that there's been a great invention called GPS, which is able to pinpoint where you're at and then to be able to lead you. It's kind of like the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this. It says that when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide us in all truth. So as a believer, we have the Word of God as our map. We have the Holy Spirit as that GPS that's directing us and navigating life. So today I want to help you. How many of you know that the nation that we live in, that the family is under attack? You know that? So today I'm going to be talking about family ties, all right, and, and how that we go about that. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Genesis, the second chapter, and as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses today My name is Eddie Couples, I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm grateful for what God is doing, not just at one location, but at multiple locations of Love and Truth churches, and we're excited every time we hear a great report of another life being changed and somebody coming into the kingdom of God. We're glad you're there with us today, and I believe that God has a word for you, so let's get ready to hear what God says. The book of Genesis, the second chapter, would you look there in the 23rd and the 24th verses. I'm reading out the New International Version of the Bible, and it says this. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become what? One, right? One Flesh. Now the 25th verse just goes in the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That's next week as I talk to you about sex and sexuality. So I'm sure we'll have a full crowd next week. <laughs> All right. Let let me talk to you just a minute about the state of, of marriage in America. Let me just give you some statistics we found. The marriage rate continues to decline in the United States. In fact, there has been a decline of over 50%, now hear that, from 1970 to 2010, and the annual number of marriages in every 1,000 unmarried adults. In other words, it's fallen that much. The percentage of married individuals over the age of, of 18 who responded that their marriage was very happy has gradually declined. Over the last 20 years the most recent study says that 63 percent of men and only 60 percent of women classify their marriages as happy or very happy now the rate of satisfaction and I want you to get this point the rate of satisfaction in marriage is higher for husbands and wives both who both regularly maintain religious attendance and feel that God is the center of Of their marriage. Wow, think about that. Both men and women have higher life expectancies when married than those who are single or divorced. That ought to encourage some of you. You're gonna live a long time. I'm I'm just trying to pick and choose some of these. Couples who cohabit have a 46% greater risk of divorce than couples who do not live together before marriage. Between 1960 and 2010, the number of cohabiting couples increased 17-fold. Now, we already know that about 40 to 50 percent of marriages are ending in divorce. And when we live together before marriage, we even ramp it up that much higher. Now, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about family. And I'm going to cover a lot of different aspects, so get your seatbelt on and get your pencil out, because we're going, all right? I'm going to talk to you about husband and wife, I'm going to talk to you about children, and I'm going to talk to those of you who are single today as well. So again, I've got a lot to cover. When we look at family, family in the narrow sense uh, is the union of one man and one woman, which normally is blessed with children, and then we get the extended family that goes out from there. At the root and I want you to hear me carefully at the root marriage and the family are not human institutions and I'll take a step further they're not governmental institutions the government does not regulate marriage well I'm gonna get in trouble (laughs) marriage was divinely ordained of God God is the one who started marriage, and we've got to understand that, and we've got to know that. Now, when you look at biblical marriage, and to those of you who are believers today, I want you to listen carefully what I'm going to talk about. When you look at biblical marriage, biblical marriage is understood as a covenant, not a contract. Now, hear the difference. You say, well, what is the difference? Well, let me help you. A contract is about myself. If you've ever signed a contract, if you've ever, you you sit there now, some of you, uh, you just sign anything. They stick in front of you and you sign it. You could be giving away everything you've got and they said, sign it. Okay, sign it. But if you really take a moment to read a contract, the reason you are reading that contract is to find out what is it about me that this contract says, all right? So a contract is about self-interest. It's about self-realization, and it's about self-fulfillment. And that's what marriage has become in our nation to the point that we have established even no-fault divorce. Right? Why? Because we said, it's just a contract, and you can come into that contract, and if you don't get everything you want, who lied and told you that was going to happen? Well, some of y'all are tight. But if I can just get the right one, if I can just marry the right person, they'll make me happy. Somebody lied to you. Can't anybody make you happy? Happiness comes from inside of you. Now, somebody else can help you be fulfilled, maybe, but happiness is going to come from inside of you. And and so what we have to understand is is that a contract is about me. It's about myself. A covenant is about each other. And it's entered into before God when when we come there. It's about loyalty, it's about fidelity, and it's about commitment. God has established marriage to be about covenant, not contract. And so what we have to do is that we have to change the way we think. We have to go into marriage with a different mindset. And as we do that, listen, to to all of you who have had some failures in this aspect of marriage, please relax, pastor's not going to get on you today, but I am going to show you what the Word of God says is the best way for us to live life. Amen? How many of you know that the Bible is the ideal way to live life? right and so when we present that it's not so we get under condemnation it's so that we know how that we are to live so there are some aspects about marriage in fact four of them I want to give you real quickly number one is marriage is intended to be permanent one man one woman for life that's the way God established it the book of Matthew the 19th chapter and the sixth verse says this so they are no longer two they are one flesh they've come together therefore what God has joined together how many of you have ever heard that at a wedding whatever God has joined together let no one separate let no one put asunder as it said sometimes when I use the old King James and and that's what God is saying to us is that marriage is intended to be permanent now here's here's what's happened in America in America we have moved into serial monogamy You understand what I'm saying we marry this one for one part of our life and then they don't satisfy us at some level anymore and so we move on Wow you know it's happening you know it's taking place and yet God says I want marriage to be permanent I want marriage I want you to understand that marriage represents a serious commitment marriage is not about I got this feeling I don't don't want to teach next week's lesson. Boy, he just makes me, eh, you get him, he'll make you something. (laughs) Marriage is supposed to be permanent. Secondly, marriage is sacred. I I believe marriage is sacred. I, I believe that there's something more than just a legal dynamic that happens there. I believe the word of god lets us know that the 22nd verse of genesis chapter 2 says this then the lord god made A woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man God is the one who originated marriage God is the one who said this is how I want it to be now man began to go his own way and do his own thing pretty quickly and we see we see how that uh, they ended up in multiple wives and all the things that happened there but that wasn't God's intent and that wasn't how God established it originally God established Adam and Eve not Adam and Eve and sued and whoever right God didn't have a concept of sister wives that's man's concept, all right? So if any man tries to convince you, just understand. I'll keep moving, all right? Marriage is sacred. It's a relationship before and under God's covering. And so if we would look at our marriages that way, we would, we would understand that, yes, listen, Sherry and I will be married 35 years July the 1st. We, we've, we've been together a long, long time. All of my life. I was, you know, three or four when she married me. Anyway, uh, and, and I want to tell you, there, there, are, there are moments and have been moments of our marriage that, that it, wasn't, it wasn't all fun and games. It wasn't just a wonderful time. You know, it wasn't, and they lived happily ever after. That's why they call those fairy tales, people. It's a fairy tale if you think you're never going to have a disagreement. I found out years ago, if two people agree about everything, one of them is unnecessary. <laughs> right? And, and, and so what we have to understand is, is that, that marriage is permanent. Marriage is sacred. God has established this, and he has brought us together. The, the third thing about marriage is, is that marriage is intimate marriage is about intimacy genesis chapter 2 verse 23 through 25 that i already talked to you about read to you uh, adam when he sees this woman that god has created uh, he begins to prophesy basically he says this is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh and he says and he and he goes in and he says and for this cause he says you know this is why a man's gonna leave his mama and his daddy and cling to her Now, here's what's funny about that. We read that and go, yeah, that's great. Here's what's funny about that statement. Adam was created by God. Adam didn't have a natural mother or father. And yet he just gets this prophetic whatever on him and says, this is what happens when you get married. You just leave everybody. Right? Why? Because marriage is intimate. Marriage is about becoming one. All right? it's, It's about coming to that place where we understand that it's about leaving and being. Now, let me help some of you. Some of you need to leave. Now, I'm not talking about who you're married to. I'm talking about your mama. And yes, I will talk about your mama today. Okay? Some of you men need to let mama not tell you everything you ought to be doing in your life. Some of you women, some, you know, we, we need to come to that place where we, we kind of, okay, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. You've been great influence. But as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. Woo, I, I, can, I, I got some. Woo. That's, that's good, good, good stuff right there, wasn't it? All right. And that's what Adam said. He said, we're going to leave and we're going to come together because of the intimacy. And it talks about that they become one. In fact, I want to say this real quickly and we'll talk more about it next week. But that's why God has established sex within marriage. It's not people say, well, you know, God's just, he doesn't want us to have any fun. And no, the reason God doesn't want you sleeping with everybody and, and, and just anything and any time you want to is because God understands what happens. You become one when you come together with somebody in a sexual relationship and God knows that and things happen there that don't happen. The scripture says that that's, there is something special about that that is unlike anything else. And so God says I want you to be in that intimate relationship but I want it to be under the bonds of marriage the, the fourth aspect about marriage is this is that marriage is exclusive all right first Corinthians talks about it in verse seven and uh, excuse me chapter seven and verse two and it says but since sexual sexual immorality is occurring Paul's writing to the Corinthian church there and, and Corinth was was just a place of, of utter immorality and so just because people were getting saved did not mean that they understood about that and so the Apostle Paul wrote to them he said each man should have sexual relations with his own what? wife and each woman with her own husband now we'll spend time there next week the Word of God is saying that marriage is exclusive that you and I need to understand that when we come together in a marriage relationship that we leave everybody else behind. The black book has to go away. The phone numbers in your phone have to be deleted. Your Facebook status has to change. You can't still be single in a relationship. You you, you can't still be flirting with somebody you went to high school with. Well, glory to God. And, and going back on then, all those old feelings start coming back because you start remembering what she looked like and how he was and you start talking to each other and then you finally see each other. And there's been a whole lot of change happen, baby. <laughs> huh. Marriage is exclusive. Leaving all of those, forgetting all of those, No other human relationship is to interfere with this commitment. We've got to make that choice. We've got to understand that marriage is permanent. Marriage is sacred. That that these things that I've talked about today, that that it's important for us, especially as believers. Let me talk to you as believers today. As believers, we need to exhibit a different lifestyle than the world. You know, the, the statistic that came out a while back in Southern Baptist churches, and I'm not getting on Southern Baptists, please don't write me emails, but it was, it was a research that was done in Southern Baptist churches said that, that there were more people getting divorced in Southern Baptist churches than there were in the general population. Now, there's something wrong with that. We, we've got to make some change. We've, we've got to determine that, that we're going to make this thing called marriage work. That, that you know... Yeah, it's tough. It's not always fun and games, but, but we're, we're committed to this. And then usually what happens, you, you start getting used to one another and you start kind of figuring it out and you know he's going to throw his clothes over here and not in the hamper and, and she's going to do things you don't like, but you're about to figure all that out and then comes baby. Then comes that change. And about the time you had it figured out, children enter in. And all of a sudden those of you who were married for a few years before you had children, all of a sudden your world turns upside down, right? I mean, used to you just came and went and did your own thing and now you got to schedule things around when they're going to sleep, when they're going to eat, when you got to change them, when you got to give them a bath, right? I mean used to you just jumped up, ran into the car and went. Now you load up an entire U-Haul truck and follow along behind the family vehicle because there's all this stuff you got to take everywhere you go. Now, here's what Scripture says about children. The book of Psalms, 127th chapter and the third verse says that children are a heritage from the Lord, the offspring that are a reward from Him. So God, God thinks highly of children. Now, let me say this. All of us are children to somebody. And and what we have to understand is, is that our childhood affects our adulthood. How we were raised, what we experienced in life growing up, has a great impact on how we live once we quit being children. And so a lot of times we bring a lot of dysfunction into our lifestyles because of some things that happen. My father was killed when I was 14 years of age, and, and because of that, th- there are moments that I have had trouble being a father because I did not have that image in my life. Some of you grew up without a parent in the home, and you know that in those moments, as, as you now maybe are at the point that you're raising your own children, you don't really know how, what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to act because there wasn't that picture in your family of how to conduct yourself. And so I want to real real quickly just give you some things that children need. Number one is children need quality time. All right? It's not about quantity, people. It is about quality. You can can spend the day with your children, but if you're distracted and on your iPhone the whole time and, and, you know, doing computer stuff and calling in to work and all that, you can say, well, I spent the day with my kids, but if you didn't really give them your attention, it didn't do any good. See, sometimes you have to call work and say, I'm not coming in, I'm going to the t-ball game. Okay, maybe you better come up with a better <laughs> thing to tell them, but that's what you're really doing. Not, not teaching it a lie, so don't anybody <laughs> misquote me. All right? So quality time. Number two is you've got to lead by example. Don't use the thing, do as I say, not as I do, because it will come back and haunt you. Years ago when... Zach was, he was little, I mean, he was little enough to be in a car seat behind me, and, and I'm driving, and some, some one, y'all know me in driving stories, right? And, and, and some, somebody pulls right out in front of me, and I had to lock it down, and I was real cool, I didn't say a word, but out of the back seat in this car seat, I hear a two-year-old go, idiot. <laughs> and at that moment, I begin to become righteously indignant until I remember where he learned it from. So there wasn't much I could say, all right? So I want to tell you, you lead by example whether you mean to or not. Third thing your children need is they need love. Love that is not conditional upon how they act. Did you hear me? I know they stress you out. I remember 13. I remember doors being slammed and i thought they were going to come out the other side i remember all of those things and there are some of us sometimes that as believers as christians when our children begin to live lifestyles that we think are not in accordance with god's word if we're not careful we quit loving we put up barriers and if there's any time that our children need us to love them is when they are out of order in their life. I'm not talking about rolling over and letting them, I'm not, I'm, I'm, but I'm talking about loving them no matter what. Your children, need, your children need to know that they're loved. The fourth thing is we need to teach our children, we need to teach them respect. I, maybe I'm old school about this, but, but I, I think we've, we've lost this somewhere. Maybe it's a Southern thing, but I, but I still think that it's okay to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and miss, and, and, and mister, and just, just, I, I, I think some of those things are good. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't fly in some parts of the country, but we're not in some parts, we're in the south. And I, I, I think we ought to teach our children to respect authority, and respect other people, and respect property, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I just think that as parents, it's our responsibility to do that. And the last thing is this, is that we need to hold them accountable. Your child does not need you as their best friend. Somebody told me of a bumper sticker they saw. It said, your child doesn't need a peer, they need a parent. I mean, I have, I have parents tell me, well, I know they're going to drink, and I just assume they drink at my house, so I buy them beer. And I go, really, are you that dumb? did i say that i came it, it, i thought it did it come out <laughs> you know well they're gonna oh, i'm not even going there i gotta stop come on it's it you you need to hold them accountable you need to stand there now i understand that in in family and in marriages and all this that we struggle with these things that we have all of these emotions and all of these things taking place and 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 we all feel like at moments that we're extreme failures and in those few moments that we feel successful it's wonderful but but i want to tell you it's it's something that you're called to do it's something that that you have been given the privilege of doing to be in marriage and and to be uh, a parent etc but but there are some of you today that uh, you're here or you're listening to me and and you're you're single and you go well what about us you know, maybe you're divorced, or, or maybe you're a single parent raising some children, or whatever. First of all, let me tell you that the Word of God ha- is, is filled with people that were single. Daniel was single. Three Hebrew children were single. Uh, Elijah and Elisha were single. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was single. Jesus was single. In fact, singleness is defended by Jesus when you begin and uh, begin to read the Scripture. And the Apostle Paul talks about being single. In, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I won't read it, but verse 7 and 8, he, he talks there. He said, I wish that you were like me. And he said, and read, what he's talking about is in my singleness. And here's why. He, he goes on to explain it. He says that when you're married, you, you have to spend time and effort and energy on the marriage and on one another. He said, if you're single, you can devote your life to God and to his cause. And he said, I wish you were one or the other. Uh, but, but then he gives the right for marriage. But, but here's what's happened in our society. Number one is, is that if we're not careful, we feel like that if we're not married, something is wrong with us. Yeah. All right? And, and I, I want to help some of you. Some of, sometimes, it would be better for you to be single than to be with somebody. Right. <laughs> wow, that, that got a lot of... Uh interesting look from married people I don't know if that was (laughs) help me Jesus (laughs) here's here's what I want to say to to single people who are listening today number one is don't don't allow frustration in this time of singleness in your life because here's what will happen is you will miss out on what life is about because you're so frustrated because you're not married or you don't have the right person or this isn't working or, or uh, well, I prayed and I thought God was going to send them and I understand all of that. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I get it, but, but don't, don't live in frustration because you're going to miss the blessings of God and the good things that God has for you in these moments. The, the second thing is don't live in self-pity, all right? don't go around all the time well, if I could just i don't know why they did i i know i'm more holy than they are and <laughs> come on right and thirdly don't live in selfishness don't make it always about you learn to live in that place learn to allow the lord to give you the comfort that you need in those moments I'm not I'm not telling you not if, if you want to be married I'm not telling you not to pursue marriage that's not what pastor's saying but I'm saying don't miss out on what your life can be just because you're always looking toward marriage all right and, and so wherever you fit in this understand that now let me say this and I'm gonna give you some take-home points real quickly navigating the family takes wisdom grace and God Come on, you know it does. Whether that's your immediate family, and then you start getting that in-laws and outlaws and everybody else, and you know it, it gets interesting. So how how do we daily this this whole series is about navigating life. How do we daily do this? I'm gonna give you three things as I close. Number one, marriage slash family needs commitment. All right, we we we've gotta we we've gotta make a commitment to our marriages if we're married, and we've gotta make a commitment to our family. All right, and so that's number one. Number two is marriage family takes and needs time. It, it takes effort. You've got to spend time. So some of you who are, are, are in the point, right, Sherry and I are empty nesters now, and, and uh, I know everybody told you it was bad, but they lied. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it, <sighs> i got to stop, Lord. I've got to get this sermon finished, all right? Uh, but, but you're, you know, you're raising children, you're doing all the stuff. Uh, th- there are moments you need to call grandma or scrape together $50 and call a babysitter and get out of the house with one another again. Remember why you got married again, all right? So take some time for each other. And then lastly, marriage, your family, needs God. Now, I am not telling you, and I don't want to try to say to you, that you can't have a good family and not be a Christian because I don't believe that. I, believe, I know people who are not believers who have good families. But I don't think you can have the best family. Listen to me. I don't think you can have the best family if God's not in your marriage. Amen? And so I challenge you. Get God in your marriage. Get God in your life. And as you do, You can see his blessings and his benefits come to you.